Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Do You Do? I'm Samantha Vinicor Meinrat. And I'm Yael Harudi. And we are back like every week to talk about all things Jewy. Yael, how's it going? It's going good. Um, actually, something really, well, I don't know if it's that funny, but I think it's funny. I'm ready. It just happened. So, as you know, I just went to check the mail and get taken a package a package in, right? I was here for that, yes. So, um, I was looking, I was going through all the mail as I was about to put it on the table before coming back down here um, because our studio is in my basement. It's a great basement. (laughs) So I'm going through the mail and everything is for Dan. Ouch. The package is for Dan. He doesn't even go here. But where I actually got really insulted is where um, when uh, Bed Bath & Beyond sent Dan mail and not me. That was insulting. Was it a 20% coupon? It was. Insulting, right? For Dan? Who even is he? I know. <laughs> I feel for you on that. Slash may steal it on my way out the door. <laughs> I kind of like not getting mail because no mail is also good mail. But <laughs> I like fun mail. But, but Bed Bath & Beyond, come on. That was insulting. So I will say, I don't know about paper mail right now. I am waiting for an email right now that is both low stakes and potentially life-altering and i'd like to tell you about it oh i you have no idea what this is okay Um, it's not the at&t thing no 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 that's (laughs) a whole other story brought up a hurtful Uh, conversation no no okay i was at a bachelorette party this weekend Mm -hmm. and we stayed at this airbnb and this airbnb um i'm pretty sure was like guilty of some kind of fraud because they advertised it as a house that could sleep 10 but it actually only had two beds and they seem to have meant that like they had a lot of couches for the rest of the people oh no and i guys life skills that no one knew i had i can sleep on couches like it's my job um i am a very good couch sleeper if you're ever in like a group home like i don't know just like again a group trip or group whatever like I always volunteer. I always end up being someone who sleeps on a couch I because I'm really fine with it. I really want to know how many couches have you slept on that you have adopted this? Oh my God, so many couches. <laughs> um, and Wait, so how many girls were you in the house? We were 11. 11 people. 11 people. The house was supposed to be able to, to sleep 10, 10. And there were only two beds. So I, and by the way, someone else King who was- size? I think so, yeah. But someone else who was there, like, hadn't realized even that I'd slept on a couch at her bachelorette party. Because I said, oh, I do this all the time. I did it at yours. She was like, you did? I thought everyone had a bed. And I was like, no, I was on a couch. Um, Because somehow that's how I do things. Yeah, but 11 people, two beds, that's kind of It's very intimate, yes. So I slept on this couch with someone else who I had never met before, by the way. But she was lovely. Um, We slept at opposite ends of the couch. This couch was the greatest night's sleep I have ever had. And I have scientific proof for it. So I wear a bracelet to track my temperature while I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that it tracks is um, like how much of a light sleep cycle you get versus how much of a REM sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, an average night for me, I'm somewhere between like 50 and 60% light sleep and like less than half my sleep is REM, which is normal. This night, when I slept on this couch, 67% REM sleep, 
33% light. I had the deepest sleep <laughs> that I have had since I started tracking such things. I feel like it's a question that I really have to ask you because yeah. you were on a bachelorette party. I was How sober. Much? <laughs> <laughs> I was sober. <laughs> yes, other people ask me this as well. And then I'm not even sure. I think maybe I got drunk in the morning because then I woke up, told everyone no one who had asked me like about how much REM sleep I got on this couch and then had everyone help me like rip it apart searching for a tag like what kind of couch is this can I bring it home and the person who owns this Airbnb had removed the tag from this couch they don't want us to know what kind of couch this is mm -hmm. and then one would think that I'd be like, okay, whatever. Like I slept on a couch. It's not that big of a deal. I sent her an email with a picture of which couch I meant because she did have a lot of couches asking what kind of couch was this? Where can I acquire it? And she has not yet answered me, but I'm hoping that there'll be an exciting email address to me after we finish recording so I can know what Here's the difference was. between an Israeli that goes to her Airbnb that was promised 11, 11 <laughs> uh, that, that could sleep 10 people, yeah. excuse me, and an American that goes to an Airbnb that can sleep 10 people. Um, I would email a bit, <laughs> totally different email. Um, be like, this is fraud. And it would have, it would have, yeah, she would have probably gotten a phone call when we reached there. I'm like, excuse me, we were promised, you know, 10 beds. Where are they? Yeah. Um, if, if you want I just got really enthusiastic. If you want me to sleep on a couch, you need to tell you need to tell me in advance that it's couch sleeping, so I cannot choose your Airbnb <laughs> for 10 people. That seems fair. And but no, Samantha goes and <laughs> writes her an email. I, I really want the couch. Where's it from? It was such a good couch. <laughs> I came home and I literally first thing I said to Noam, we're throwing out our couch. I found the ideal couch. And he just like looked what? at me. What? I love your couch. Well, he was like, we have a nice couch. You He's have like, a nice couch. No, but this couch. But this couch is nicer. <laughs> okay. Or I'll just put it in a different, maybe I'll throw out my bed. Maybe, maybe I'm not meant to be a bed sleeper. No, you should be sleeping on couches from now on. Anyway, on that note, the yes. actual topic we're supposed to be talking about today, <laughs> other than my sleep habits, is summer. It As we record, it's July. Summer lovin' did have me a blast, whatnot. Um, but it's also a really interesting time in the calendar of how we Jew, because summer is a time without a lot of Jewish holidays. We have talked about um, in the past the morning and fast day of Tisha B'Av and this minor holiday of Tu B'Av, which became like a Jewish Valentine's Day. But other than these less observed holidays, we're basically on like a Jew calendar break until the fall. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we start hella strong. Oh yeah. Um, With all the holidays. All of them. Like we just make up for it right away. But how do you make summer a Jewy time? A Jewy time? Well, all time is Jewy time, but yes. Wow. That's like how really... do you Jew in the summer? Okay. That's a really, really, really hard question. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Cause now I'm thinking about it because I don't know what makes summer different than winter as far as Jewy time, and I'm mm -hmm. sure you will, you're gonna have like an amazing, you know, answer to this. But I don't, I, I honestly don't think I do differently. Summer, that's great. Like Friday is always, it always happens. Friday is always Friday. That is true. So I feel like I have, you know, I, I do kind of every week because of because of Shabbat. Mm -hmm. So I don't. Man, I don't know. You know, I think as adult or like the stage of adulting hashtag adulting yes that we are both in I agree with you but like I remember growing up 
summer felt so different because in like at least a synagogue setting in the United States, like summer is when the clergy are allowed to go on vacation. So like our rabbi would take off the entire month of July and then the cantor would take off the entire month of August. So like services were smaller. They were more laid back. There was more like lay leader input because like one of the clergy wouldn't be there. So it was a lot more like volunteer people doing stuff. But like religious school was on a hiatus. Youth group was on a hiatus unless you were on an intensive trip. And obviously there's a lot that we can unpack about like Jewish summer camps, but it always just felt like a more laid back Jewy time. Like you, we still always had Shabbat dinner and like that aspect, but there's not like random, again, there's not a holiday necessarily popping up every other week or like a lot of the institutions are on just more of a hiatus. So it does feel like in the summer, like it's a lot more, I don't know, of a do-it-yourself, a DIY, how we do versus like the organized things that I see more of the rest of the I year. just realized what's the difference between like your answer and my answer is that in Israel, we don't have like the Jewish day camps right. or, or Jewish or, or summer all camps. camps are Jewish, yeah. except you don't have camp, but. We, I mean, we, we don't, we don't have the sleep, the sleepover kind of camp, no. but we have Ketana, like a day right. camp. Yes, no, that is true. But it, everyone's Jewish again. Everyone's so just Jewish. It's, it's not. It's not like a Jewish camp. It's just like fun summer vacation camp kind of thing. So what what happens at Ketana? Like, what's Israeli summer like? Um, if you go to Ketana, because some kids don't. Okay. Did you? Yeah. So what some, was it like? Some of the years I did. Some I didn't. Okay. I mean, it depended on the summer. Like, if we went to San Francisco to visit my grandparents, then I would not. But, that makes sense. You know, it, it really depends. We did go most most summers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you have insights about Israeli summer, or are you just kind of no, no? I did go to Ketana, but like, I mean, I don't really remember everything. But we had like a pool day and mm-hmm. just a bunch of random just games and fun stuff, fun activities that we did together in groups and and nothing. I don't know any like. I think I would imagine any summer, any summer like day camp. Okay, nothing that I can think of that's extra special. Not like we had to like build our own raft and make sure it worked or like. Oh no. No. I feel like not, that not ha- in my camp. <laughs> I feel like that happens on like a lot of youth group trips to Israel that it's like this is your day to like not be American tourists. You're going to be Israelis. We Here's some that. sticks. Like, so we did that but with, with school. With, okay. That was an academic activity. Well it was like okay so towards um, I think towards the summer is when, or at the beginning of the year is when we go on uh, our like school trips. Mm-hmm. And every year you have at least one night over, like yeah, an, overnighter, an overnighter, but at least one night. And like as you grow older, sometimes it turns into like two nights um, that they take you mm-hmm. somewhere. And so that's when they t- took us to like those group kind of activities of like build your own raft yeah. and like climb on the, all these like ladders that you built with ropes and Ladder stuff. climbing is a terrifying activity. Love it. <laughs> I'm still just like not pro ladder. Love all those, you know those rope parks? Yes. Oh my God. My oh my God. I love it. I went to art camp everyone. <laughs> so, okay. I don't remember where it was, but it's somewhere in Florida. Okay. There's like a rope, a rope kind of, mm-hmm. what's it called? Park. And then you also do, um, ooh. Like no. zip lining? Zip lining. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh my God. How'd you know I was going to get stuck in that word? Um, you just literally did a hand just motion. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, she made a hand motion. <gasps> so, um, we, so, and then you also zip line over crocodiles and that's really Ooh, cool. Live crocodiles? Yes, yes. I'll send you the video. 
please do. Oh, that okay. sounds like some kind of hazardous activity. No, no, no. I'll send you. Actually, I have it on my private Instagram. I'll show you. <laughs> I look forward to it. Listeners, have some FOMO. I'm sure this is going to be good. It's really fun. Um, I feel like for, again, in the, the Jewish American experience is so centered around camp. And I did not get sent to overnight camps, listeners. Um, my mom was not a fan of the whole overnight camp thing. She was just like, like at that point, they were like eight weeks long. Now there's a lot of shorter ones where you can go for a week, two weeks, like get a taste of or go to specialty camps. But eight weeks is an excessively long time when you were that young to go away for that long for my family's perspective. So we would go to day camp and on family trips and like to Israel or like just, you know, different. That's really nice like, that your family used that time to go on trips. Yeah, no, we did together. a lot of That's stuff amazing. and I did day camps. Um, but since I've become a Jewish professional, I feel like I am basically like a, a camper adjacent like all of my close friends it feels like were products of these intensive Jewish summer camp experiences and they love it and they're obsessed with it and I know people who like have never stopped going to camp because then they became counselors and went to work at camp shout out to several of our listeners you know who you are um and I think it's this amazing immersive time to like Jew in a different way and people have only good experiences of it except for my family <laughs> so my my dad spent three summers at sleepaway camp he went to um camp young judea it was called it's called tell yehuda and it's in um upstate new york and he'll really appreciate me telling this story he was asked not to return um what yeah the rumor that i don't know if he told me this or my sister made it up and told me okay but like he met some ladies at camp and was asked not to return. Oh my God. Um, and then my sister actually did go to Tel Yehuda later because she was in Young Judea. I was in USY. Mm -hmm. So my closest thing to like real Jewish summer experiences was I went on trips to Israel with my youth movement um, in high school. I would go for six weeks at a time on these Israel tours. And those were my like iconic Jewish summer moments more so than camp. So... I know, like we just said, like in Israel, camps are are just like regular day camps, mm -hmm. not anything, you know. Why why are like why are camps such a central Jewish thing here? So it's start okay. Fun facts about the history of Jewish camp. <laughs> Camping really started as a movement because um when people lived in such crowded cities, summer was a really unhealthy time, like physically unhealthy that because it was so hot and people lived in such close quarters, like disease. And um, it was really challenging to have kids in cities in New York, for example, in the Lower East Side during the summer. So it became a thing to send your kids to the countryside. Um, and like, so that was the first stages of summer camp and also Jewish summer camp. And then it became like a very just foundational experience in terms of starting movements. Like every different Zionist movement, every different youth movement had its own summer camps. And I think camp as an educator is quite possibly the most amazing thing in the entire world because you create this whole environment. In some of these old Zionist summer camps, no one spoke English for three months. Like you would come and they would basically be like, you are now in Israel. And they would call you Chalutzim and every, you know, um, camp structure like the dining hall would be the cheddar ochel and they used it as these like um 
enculturating moments. I'm not going to say indoctrination because camps are not cults, except some of them. <laughs> um, but it was really like the culture you want to create for a part of the Jewish community. When you're at camp, you're not limited to I have an hour and a half with you and then I'm sending you to your home and me to my home and we're all doing different things. You get to decide how do we eat together and what does it mean to do that Jewishly? How do we go to the bathroom? How do we have interpersonal relationships? How do we have like romantic relationships? Because camp is about hookups. Like no matter what anyone, oh my God, yes. Um, (laughs) No matter what anyone else says. And I've only been there as a staff member and I know that. Um, Wait, from what age? I mean, I feel like kids go there really young. Kids do go really young. I think that's part of why I didn't go because like friends of mine, I remember growing up, Like the summer between second and third grade, people started going to sleepaway camp. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely too young at that point. I would have been like a homesick nutcase. But then by the time I would have been like mature enough, like say like middle school, I was then like, everyone has had their friends for like four years. Like I can't be the new girl if I'm that many years removed. Um, Because people did go really young. And then, like, later I've discovered there are camps that just start in middle school or when you're a teen. So, like, if I had done more research, perhaps this would have been a different story. But, like, I remember going and staffing summer camp because a mentor of mine in grad school had said, like, if you want to be an informal Jewish educator, you have everything else. Like, you've done synagogue, you've done youth group, you've done Israel tours, you've done whatever. Um you can't not have had camp experience because it's so iconic. So I went as an adult and we discussed this offline that I was like, people have said to me, like you would have been the best camper. I'm like, no, grown up, my question. grown up Sam is the best camper or the best camp counselor. Um, child Sam was like a nerd. Answer my question. What was the question? About, about how young they go and why are there so many hookups? So, early. Well, so I said, they start like, at least peers of mine started going the summer between second and third grade. So but that's, that's when hookups start? No, God, I mean, I hope not. Yeah. God forbid. I, I'm learning about American camp and this is this is kind of crazy. I've God forbid. Um, I don't know. I think I like- I need to know when to not send my kids to I think camp. like middle school. I feel like- <laughs> That's crazy. I feel like everyone who I know who went to camp and like you can all come after me in the comments, like matured faster because you're like without parents with like- opposite genders or whatever. I feel like middle school, not like sex, but like like people kissed at camp in middle school, definitely. And um, suffice it to say, I was not doing that. Um, but it's, it's just interesting. And it's interesting to hear the stories that people have and like the reasoning behind it that so many people, again, they meet their partners at camp. Like it's not like yucky. Like it's this like beautiful stuff that happens. Some of it is 100% yucky, but I think there's a lot that goes into these immersive experiences. And then for a lot of like kids and then turned into adults, if you don't necessarily come from a strong Jewish community or if your family doesn't have its own strong Jewish practices in this like other utopian world of camp in the summer, you can have like this whole experience and like the catchphrase that a lot of intense camp people use is like, I live 10 months for two. Like that camp is your like, peak and the rest of the year is just waiting for the next immersive experience at camp and and it's also like everyone is jewish around you so i'm guessing if you do end up dating someone Mm -hmm. from camp they're jewish so it's kind of narrowing the options yeah and like part of i also think that camp and not just camp i would say but any like immersive jewish experience mine again was mostly youth group 
you get to be somebody different. Like in my high school, I was not cool. I'm very confident in saying that. Um, And it's fine. I have become so cool later in life. I don't believe that. That I've become cool later in life. No, that you weren't (laughs) cool. Um, I was in student government and the poetry, like, club. Doesn't mean you can't be cool. Thank you. In that case, it very much did. (laughs) Um, But it was fine. Like, I had my, like, circle. But people who in, like, a public high school or middle school environment are, like, nerdy, when you get to, like, whether it's a Jewish summer camp or a Jewish overnight, like, weekend or teen tour, you could be cool for the exact same things that in your large public high school you were not and like there are certain people who i look back in retrospect i'm like wow in usy or in camp like that person was a rock star and then you look and it's like oh my god what like what cult was i in that i thought this um but i think it's just a chance to be who you want to be meet different people experience and like experiment with like a different version of yourself and it's such a supportive environment like people are just excited again it's not perfect i'm sure there are bullies everywhere i'm sure there's peer pressure everywhere like i'm sure it's not like this rosy colored thing but largely it's such a positive environment there's so many role models around there's a chance for everyone to shine because there's so many different activities and when it comes to the like how we do it's all the good parts it's singing songs with your friends it's having like Shabbat be the time that you like take a shower and actually look like a decent human being. It's not like you're practicing for your bar mitzvah Torah portion and there's no homework for it. You just get to have like a lived experience and it's a beautiful thing. Like team camp in retrospect. Team camp, totally. Yes. Um, And team Ketana because it sounds like that was fun too. (laughs) It was. Um, All right. So as we look at this summer, because unfortunately we're adults, um, what are you hoping to do Jewishly or to Jew, as it were, um, over the next couple months, like in our summertime before the Chagim? Honestly, I have nothing. Like, because again, like I said, like I do... The same way. I do the same way. So like I have my Friday night dinners. I don't have any of the holidays coming up. So there's nothing that I can think of. Maybe I'll teach Dan about, you know, Tubav. Oh my god, date night. Yeah. Maybe I'll teach you about like the, the Jewish Valentines and we can celebrate that. But otherwise I can't I can't think of anything during the summer. And mm-hmm. just because we talked about it, I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh my God, I never actually realized that summer is the only time that we don't mm-hmm. that I don't do in any way differently than mm-hmm. like just the Friday the nights that I do. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of eye-opening, but now I have to make it a point to celebrate um, Team Tubav. Tubav, and I'll teach Dan all about it. And now I know. Now I know why. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, I like because that because Samantha taught me. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Um, I love that. Yeah, Team Tubav. What, how, what about you? I was I was talking to someone about this recently, and I was like, we don't do Havdala. And I love Havdalah. So Havdalah, listeners, is the ceremony that you would do on Saturday night to mark the end of Shabbat. Just like on Friday night, where you light candles and have wine and challah to mark the beginning of Shabbat, there's also a complimentary ceremony at the end of it. And it's actually, this is so funny that we're talking about camp. Like, I only really do Havdalah when I'm in an immersive Jewish experience, whether it's a camp or a youth group or like a Shabbaton or something like that, which I am lucky enough to have a job that I still get to staff those things occasionally. Um, 
we always do have Dala as part of those experiences and I love it. I love the singing. I love the tunes. Like I love just like, usually there's like a, a circle and hugging and I love hugging. Um, COVID has like unleashed within me, just a group hug, like force to be reckoned with. But in my personal practice, like as podcast listeners know, I have friends over for Shabbat dinner all the time. I don't have friends over for Havdalah or like Noam and I don't have a practice of that. And I don't know that it's something that we would start doing every week by any means. But I think at this time we're like, there's not exactly like there's not a holiday. There's not necessarily a next Jewish thing to focus on outside of the ordinary that I might make it um, an unordinary week by being like, we should do Havdalah. That's uh, that's very nice. I like Havdalah. It's um, it's fun. It is a very fun ritual. Yeah. So speaking of ritual. Yeah. Um. So Jewish life, as we know, is all about ritual. It's how we Jew. Um. And summer, I feel like, is also about ritual because we're out of the routine. We're not having like again. I guess I'm really thinking about it as an as someone who's an educator because. I guess if like you work at a bank, like your job is your job all year when you don't have kids. But I feel like kids are off. Things are a little bit slower. My calendar is certainly a little bit different. And instead of being about routine, summer is about ritual and things that we do every year that make this season special or things we look forward to in the summer. So what is some what is a summer ritual of yours, um, Jewy or not? Not Jewy. Bonfires and barbecues. Hells yeah. That feels <laughs> religious to me. I'm creating a new steak religion. <laughs> I'm uh, I will join. I will convert when called upon. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like bonfires and everything barbecued. I love it. That sounds lovely. And a lot of s'mores. s'mores. A lot of s'mores. S'mores are wonderful. You oh, are correct. All the s'mores. That sounds so that's cute. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, that's what I do every summer. I love I love I love that. Little fire pits with like s'mores. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna throw in some potatoes. The potatoes, you know, I was gonna say. Like Lagba Omen style. Lagba Omen style <laughs> potatoes. Just so you know, my dad listened to that episode of the podcast yeah. and called me and was like, why have we never thrown <laughs> potatoes on a fire? And I was like, I the next time, and he hasn't come to visit since then, but I Wait, was like. has he done that in Israel? No, he had what? no idea this was a thing. Um, what? No. But he's Israeli. Yeah, but they were Tel aviv Like, I don't think they, like, did stuff. Maybe. Um, but. I thought it was like an Israel, like everyone in Israel thing. I'm sure it was. My family's like a beat behind. Um, My dad is Tel aviv and it. I think he was the one who taught us that. Okay, when I said Tel Aviv, I think I meant like indoorsy. Um, <laughs> okay, totally it was like different. a code word. Totally different. I think they, I think we're just like an indoorsy group. But he did listen. He did call me and say we gotta fix this. So <laughs> like when my parents come to visit and we do a fire pit, we too will throw some potatoes on Israeli style. Okay, I'm coming. Okay, um, I will send you a date. <laughs> Every time your parents come, I invite myself. You are always welcome. Love Not even a question. Love, love, love your parents. <laughs> Okay, yeah, perfect. What about, wait, so what's your, like, summer ritual? So you said barbecue and bonfire. I'm bringing, like, the third B, which is beach. Ooh, um, yes. I I grew up, I, my mom loves the beach. My grandparents loved the beach. And I love the beach. Like, we used to go five days a week. We would get this, like, beach pass for the car. And we would just go and be there. And I 
loved it. I continue to love it. Um, very much a happy place. Does not matter how cold the water is. Like I am ready for it. Now that I'm older, it actually matters a bit, but like I am intellectually ready for it. Um, it's that's, a thing. Kids don't feel No, kids cold don't feel water. cold. It's amazing. No, it's great. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. And then the other thing, like I can't control this because I do not control the weather. But I remember when I was growing up, there was like one summer where there were all these summer storms and not like the gross rain we've been having. These like beautiful, like lightning, wild storms. And we would all like because we didn't have to be up for school the next day or like we didn't have homework we would all sit on like the covered porch in front of my parents' house and watch the lightning oh, together, like pretty. under blankets. And again, I can't control the weather. Ours has been disgusting. Um, but I feel like the ritual of just being able to say, yes, granted, I do still have to go to work in the morning, but like, it's a little bit slower of a time. And if there's a time to like stop and just appreciate something or make like a mini adventure out of something that during the rest of the year, I would have just been like, okay, next thing on the to-do list, I wanna follow my mom's example and acknowledge that. So going back to the beach part. Team beach. Um, you will uh, probably not approve of this I, or maybe of our friendship. I do not like the beach. I, like I did the, know that about you. <laughs> I like the idea of the beach. Okay. Like I like the, I like the idea of the beach, but I, I cannot stand the sand. I just can't. So I think it I shared everywhere. I understand. I think I shared this with our listeners that I found the perfect beach when I was in Israel this past trip mm -hmm. because my father-in-law took us to this hotel by the Kinneret and it was amazing. There was no sand. The grass, the grass. It was beach. the grass yes, beach. Totally. And I was like, this is perfect because I and with you, I loved sand. Again, like when I was of sandcastle building age. Yeah, um, same, same. I and did then that. like I like I love being in the water. I love sitting and reading. Sand is gross. So then I thought I was a pool person for a while because like with a pool you get the sitting and you get the swimming and you don't have to deal with the sand. But at heart, I love waves. I like love jumping the waves and being in a beach environment. Um, but a grass speech now that I know that that is a thing. Yes. Yeah. 100% grass I also experienced that. So this past weekend, I had a friend in from out of town and she wanted to see Lake Erie. And like we went over to the lake and we just walked from grass like and put our feet in the water. And it was too cold to actually go swimming because now I'm a grown up. Um, but it was essentially, a, I wouldn't actually call it a beach by any means, but it was a grass lake area oh i which, would go there yeah which let's is go. almost like a beach let's go have a picnic okay see you there okay listeners we're off to have a picnic um part of our new summer ritual <laughs> <laughs> while we are doing that we thank you again for joining us for another episode of how do you jew um please don't forget you can follow us on instagram at how do you jew pod you can email us at how do you jew pod at gmail.com check out our website how do you jew pod.com and wherever you are listening to this episode you can subscribe share it with your friends rate review give us five stars um and continue spreading the word about this amazing podcast and until next time, happy Jewing!